You're listening to Meet the RIA. In this special podcast edition of the show, you'll get expert insight from some of the top registered investment advisors in the country. Here's your host, Jenna Dagenhart, and today's special guest, Larry Sprung, founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Larry, you started Midland Financial in 2004. I hear the business has a a meaningful name, so could you tell us a little bit more about the origins? Yes, Jenna, thank you. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Uh, You know, we just celebrated our 16th anniversary at Midland Financial. We were founded in October of 2004, as you mentioned. And and the name has a a very uh, meaningful uh, concept behind it. And we get asked about it all the time because people know that Midland is not my last name. So it's not. <laughs> it is not. And it's nobody associated with the firm. But uh, MIT was my wife's grandfather, Mitchell, and LIN originated from my mother, uh, Linda. Un- unfortunately, back in 1997, these two folks passed away within several hours of each other. Uh, unbeknownst to me, of course, at that time. And then I met my wife, uh, which was, you know, it was an unbelievable experience meeting her and then reconciling what had taken place in our lives over the last several months and figuring out that her grandfather and my mother passed away literally within hours of each other. And, you know, after learning more about her grandfather and, of course, uh, knowing my mom and, and uh, you know, having her as a mother for 23 plus years, you know, it, it, there are qualities that they had and they exuberated uh, themselves were very similar and very admirable. And we thought that there was really no better way to honor these two people and build a financial services firm around that concept of, you know, great people, great human beings. You know, my, my uh, wife's grandfather was a uh, veteran, New York City police officer. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, was always there for uh, my sister and I. And she uh, fought a valiant battle with cancer and probably is one of the strongest human beings I've ever uh, known. So what better way than to start out a firm with a great pedigree uh, like that? So honoring them and their values. Now, what got you interested in financial planning in the first place? Yeah, so I think a lot of that, again, stems uh, from my mom and the situation that I uh, experienced growing up. Uh, You know, I came from a middle class family in, you know, north of New York City. Uh, We were not poor. We were were middle class. But seeing an experience from experiencing from a very early age, a mom who was ill, uh, she got sick uh, right around my 12th or 13th birthday and fight, you know, fought a very long battle, seeing my dad go through that whole process. And from my recollection, he did not have a financial advisor or anybody helping him guide him from a financial standpoint. And, you know, he had a lot of balls in the air. He had to worry about working and putting food on the table, making sure my sister and I were getting and going where we needed to be. And not to mention the bills, even though he had great health insurance because he was a New York City school teacher, uh, there were a lot of things that were not covered. Uh, And then just the time driving, tolls, gas, et cetera, uh, it adds up. And, you know, I learned very quickly that having a financial advisor could, it's not going to eliminate what my dad went through emotionally and the health situation. But if 
he had a financial advisor that could walk him through the financial aspects of things and maybe mitigate some of that impact, what better way? So, you know, it was really that that kind of led me down the path of an interest level in financial services, which I ended up exploring, you know, while I was in college, I had an internship, I'm going to date myself with Dean Witter at the time, and uh, learned a few other things uh, in the process. And I fell in love with the business. And it was just something that I felt was a great way to earn a living, but more importantly, a great way to help people while doing it. And it paired the two things that I love to do. Sounds like you uh, found a great fit there. And who was your first client? So that that's a funny story. So, you know, I have an interesting situation. So when I started Midland Financial, I did not start from scratch. I came from another firm and, uh, you know, wanted to become independent and have an independent voice. So I brought a group of clients over uh, from that previous firm to start. But for the purpose of this, I'd like to tell an interesting story, you know, to also highlight, you know, what our values here are at Midland Financial. Um, and it, it's an interesting situation. One of those clients that we brought over with us, you know, 16 plus years ago that we had been working with now for almost 20 years, we actually had a release recently um, because there was an issue with them having concerns about some diversity at our firm. Um, you know, without, without going too in you know, deep into it, a staff member of mine wrote an article about the current uh, race relations in this country, uh, not necessarily to that extent, but more importantly about our industry and how our industry is reflective or not reflective of the diversity within this country and talking about how we can open up opportunities for uh, people of color, black, Hispanic, et cetera. And a client of mine, one of those first clients, read the article and took it as an, as an offensive article and actually claimed at one point that I was uh, uh, promoting anti-Semitism within the article. And it was very interesting because I ended up taking the article, having my rabbi read it, and uh, unfortunately, we decided to release that client because our philosophy is, you know, we want to work with people who uh, enjoy working with us, who have a mutual respect for us. And at any point, if they're not going to have that respect level, then it's not something we want to continue with. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a two-way street. And I think that you know, diversity is very important and it's something that I'm going to continue to promote and encourage in our industry because I think it needs to happen. Uh, and we're not going to tolerate that type of, um, you know, racism, if you will, from even our clients, even ones that have been with us 20 years. It's, it's an unfortunate thing, but uh, I think it's an important thing, especially in this day and age. So you're willing to let a piece of your business go to really prove that you believe in those values of diversity? A hundred percent. I mean, listen, if you're not, then you can't be out there talking about it if you're not willing to do that. When I hired uh, this uh, black gentleman who works for me, Jarrell, client service manager, he, he's fantastic. Um, it was at a time earlier in this year where I learned about a lot of the issues that were taking place in our industry. And I, you know, to, to uh, my dismay, 
I didn't know about a lot of these things. I guess I didn't hear about them. I was sheltered from them and I learned about some of the improprieties that were taking place. And we sat down immediately after I had this conversation with somebody else. And I sat down with Jarrell and I said, listen, if anything happens within the four walls of these firm, in, within this firm, whether it's something I say, whether it's somebody, something, something somebody else says or a client says, I want to know about it because we're not going to tolerate it. And I think that, you know, we can't. If we're going to promote diversity and want diversity in this industry and be able to serve a diverse group of clients, then we have to do what I did earlier this year and release clients like that. Um, it's a tough decision to make. Uh, you know, I won't say that it was, was not mutual as we had these conversations with the client and we dug a little bit deeper, but at the same time, you know, at my firm, there's no place for it. And there's, you know, we're not going to give them a platform to treat anybody in that fashion, regardless of situation. Larry, some might say that the pool of advisors doesn't necessarily match the population of people in the United States. So how do we get more young people interested in financial planning? How do we get more women included in this field? And finally, how do we get more diversity in this field? Yeah, I, you know, listen, Jenna, that is a very complicated question and, of you know, something that I think we as an industry are challenged with, right? Um, I, you know, from a younger standpoint, I think it's key for, and I, I hate to date myself, I guess, veterans like myself to help mentor them. Uh, you know, recently I got a uh, inquiry through Twitter uh, from a gentleman who asked for some career advice. And I think that there are a lot of advisors out there that may blow off somebody like that. But I, and that might discourage this person from continuing in the industry. Uh, but I connected with him. We did a 30-minute Zoom call. I found out he's in Florida. He's having some specific issues that he's concerned about at his firm, wants to make a move. And in, on top of that, he's relocating to Denver, Colorado. So long story short, in about 10 minutes after we got off the call, I was able to connect him with the FPA president in Denver, Colorado as well as a major firm's office that has an office in Colorado. He was so thankful, he sent me, sent me a message and said, hey, I'd like to send you a Starbucks gift card or you know, something like that, do you drink coffee? And I said, listen, you know what? Don't skip the gift card. Here's what I want you to do. Put out a post on Twitter that we helped you and that other people and other advisors that are in a position like me should do the same for other young people like you. So I, I think it's our responsibility, my point is, to help the young people because we don't want them to come into the industry and leave after three or four or five years. It's our responsibility to make sure that we uh, give them the tools and give them what they need to succeed. Uh, in regards to some of those other you know, situations with regard to diversity and whatnot and, and, and women, uh, you know, people of color, et cetera, I think it's important to find qualified candidates, give them an opportunity uh, if they're qualified and they're gonna be a solid asset to your firm, and then give them a platform to encourage others like them and show them that, you know, hey, listen, I'm here, I'm doing it, and you can do it too, because that's what we all need. We all need role models. And if we don't have the role models in the profession that are attracting 
other folks like them, it's not going to work. So we have to build a situation where we're bringing that diversity, we're bringing women, we're bringing people of color, we're bringing young people into our profession, giving them the tools and providing them with a platform that they can become somebody's role model and encourage the next person like them to say, hey, that guy can do it. That girl can do it. I can do it too. And that sounds like a really cool profession. I'm going to be that one day. And that's what we have to do if we're going to improve the industry. It's not something that will happen overnight. It may take years, but we have to start that process today, I feel. And I think everything we just discussed really underscores how clients' needs and expectations of financial advisors have changed over the year. How would you compare the climate now to when you first started and what clients are really looking for? Yeah, I think things, you know, things have really probably gone 180. And, you know, whether you ask me or anybody else who's been in the industry a long enough time, you know, when I first started in the industry, everything was investment focused, you know, uh, what are you going to invest me in? Am I going to get the returns? What, you know, it was a very return driven profession, I feel, and advisors were really benchmarked uh, amongst that, um, you know, performance. We've tried to change that conversation, and I think the industry has. And it's become not that the performance is not important, but I think the focus has to shift from, well, is it the performance or do you really want to meet your goals and objectives? Because the bottom line is the money is the money. The investments are the investments. Uh, and really what it is, is what are those investments going to do for me when I need them? You know, is it going to help me retire? Is it going to help me buy the house that I'm looking for? Is it going to help me send my child uh, to college? That's really the important piece. It's not whether you can get me eight or 10% or whatever the number is. It's, hey, I need to save this money so I could send my son or daughter or child to, you know, college and I'm going to need X number of dollars. Am I going to be able to reach that goal? So a lot of the conversations now are very little on investments and more on those goals and objectives and aligning the investments with those goals and objectives. So I think that we're moving in the right direction. We're becoming a more planning driven and goal driven uh, profession, which is the important thing because, listen, the money is really just the means to the end. And the end is really where all the important and the great stuff happens. So thinking big picture and then making sure that all those investments line up with those end goals. Exactly. If you do it the other way around, it's kind of like building a house upside down, right? You want to build the house with a very strong foundation. You want to know what, you know, what the plans are, what did the architect intend and put in that solid foundation and then build up from there. When you start with the investments, you're starting with the roof because that's going to, you know, the, the investments are the investments. And from an advisory standpoint, my feeling is if we're doing our job and, and you're talking to us as an advisory firm, you're talking to somebody down the block or somebody up the block, if we're listening to you and, and understanding your risk tolerance, your goals and objectives, and we use a similar allocation, asset allocation approach, 
our returns are going to be very similar. There's not going to be a terrible difference between one or the other. So I feel when you're looking to choose which one of the three of us to work with from an advisory standpoint, it's got to come down to fit. Who's going to help you reach those goals? Who's going to help you understand those goals? And is there a good fit chemistry-wise between you and that advisor where you can foresee yourself working with them not only today, but for the next 10, 20 years and perhaps working with your kids and even maybe your grandkids down the road? The fit is so key and that's where things are being driven into that fit and that planning uh, piece that we discussed earlier is becoming the most important factors in working with uh, clients. And technology has been a game changer in a lot of industries, including financial planning. So how are you using different innovations to help you know, better your process? Yeah, so I mean, technology has uh, been tremendous. I mean, without it, I don't know that we would be able to do what we do. Uh, you know, we recently became a Carson partner, so we're now tapped into their technology stack, which is tremendous. Um, you know, one of the one of the key technologies, just to kind of point out, you know, a, a technology that we're actively using that's new uh, through this partnership that we didn't have access before that has really transformed one piece of our business is we always traditionally had clients ask us to take a look at their 401k or their retirement plan. And in the past, it was a very arduous task because what we'd have to do is we'd have to instruct the client to go log in, get us a copy of how their assets were allocated, get us a copy of how or what the investment options are, do an evaluation, get back to the client, uh, explain to them how or what they should do with the allocation, hope that they make those changes and they do it right, check on it, and then you know, rinse and repeat every so often to make sure everything's going well. Well, we have a technology now that allows us, with the client's permission, it provides us an interface to directly manage their retirement assets. That's a game changer. I mean, if you think about it, in most cases, a lot of cases, people's largest assets are in those retirement plans. And traditionally, financial advisors and wealth managers really didn't have the ability to proactively manage those easily. It was an arduous process that I just went over. Now with this technology, we went in just recently for a client. We built their allocation. We made the changes in 10 minutes. We can log in whenever we want, take a look at the allocation, make any changes. If there's drift, we can you know, rebalance. And we're managing those assets just like we would any other asset. And we now alleviated all that work that we used to have to do, where we questioned really were we getting the results we wanted. Now we have the technology that does it. And that's just one small example of how technology is impacting our profession. And it's only going to get better and more robust as we go along. Finally, we've talked a lot about the evolution of the industry and where it stands today with breakthroughs like technology, but what do you see for the future of financial planning? You know, I, I don't, you know, it's hard for me to be that visionary in that regard. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of things in my tenure being in the industry. Some of them have come to fruition and some have not. I, I think what we're going to see is 
we're going to see a greater emphasis on the technology. I think the general population is getting used to it um, and feeling more comfortable with it, and that's going to only increase. I don't think it's going to change the need and the delivery of advice because the advice is going to be uh, key, and that's really what we as financial advisors are being compensated for, is for that advice and guidance. So I don't think that's going to go away. I think our delivery of that's going to change, you know, less in-person meetings, more Zoom, uh, more interactions using technology. I think it's going to be key that everybody has or firms have a really solid web portal or client experience because it's important for clients to feel connected to the firm in between those meetings and uh, phone calls. And I think that it's going to be important for us to deliver more services in order to get a better understanding of our clients from a holistic perspective. And I think technology is going to allow us to do that. For instance, you know, social security maximization uh, you know, technologies. Uh, there's also now technologies with regard to uh, tax returns where you can do a scan and very quickly find out where things, where there may be gaps in a person's uh, financial situation through their tax return or where a Roth IRA conversion may come into play. So I, I think our advice and guidance is going to go up. Asset management in terms of being a commodity is also going to continue to be a commodity, but I think the advice and guidance is where we have to focus because that is really our secret sauce is having the ability to connect with people, provide the advice and guidance, and make sure that they implement it and they're uh, putting their, themselves and their family in a position for success. So they can uh, achieve those long-term goals. Well, Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you. Jenna, thank you. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate it and make it a great day. And thank you for watching. That was Larry Sprung, founder and wealth advisor at Midland Financial. I'm Jenna Dagenhart with Asset TV. Thank you for tuning in to Meet the RIA. Visit AssetTV.com for more financial news and information. And be sure to check out our other episodes of the Meet the RIA podcast.